0: In 1948, an actor named William Boyd made a very large bet. He raised $350,000 by begging and borrowing, selling his house and car in the process. And Boyd bet it all. He put it down on demographics, on all the kids, the first wave of the baby boomers being born to young adults who were starting families after World War II And to be honest, the bet was on the newly prosperous parents as much as the kids. He was also betting on a new medium, television. And the stakes were high. His future.
1: I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck
0: thing. Potluck, potluck.
1: The potluck is going really great. A potluck. Seriously. Seriously.
2: This is The Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck.
0: Welcome to The Potluck. My name's David Inman. William Boyd was born in Ohio, and by his early 20s he'd made his way to Hollywood. He was young and handsome, with a striking feature. He had prematurely silver hair. He caught the eye of director Cecil B. DeMille, and began as an extra in DeMille films such as Old Wives for New and Why Change Your Wife. In 1925, DeMille cast Boyd as the lead in his film The Road to Yesterday, and followed that up with The Volga Boatman. Both of them were big hits, and by the end of the decade, Boyd's name was often above the title of the film he was starring in. In early 1931, William Boyd signed a contract with Radio Pictures, but very soon after that his destiny was crossed with that of another actor with a very similar name. The other actor was known as William Stage Boyd. He'd added the unusual middle name, derived from his work on Broadway, to distinguish himself from the other William Boyd. On February 28, 1931, William Stage Boyd threw a very wild Hollywood party. Police arrested him for possessing gambling paraphernalia, stag movies, and bootleg liquor. The story hit front pages across the country, but many newspapers chose the wrong photo to illustrate the story. Not of William Stage Boyd, but of our hero, William Offstage Boyd. William Boyd hadn't even been near that party, but he was in deep trouble nonetheless. Radio Pictures cited the morals clause in Boyd's contract and dropped him. Boyd's career didn't die, but it was on life support. He started billing himself as Bill Boyd, and his career limped along for a few years. Then, in 1935, two important things happened. One was that William Stage Boyd died at age 36 the causes related to alcohol and drug abuse. The other was that Bill Boyd got a job in a western movie titled Hopalong Cassidy. The character of Cassidy was a grizzled old coot who was part con artist and part hero. He drank, smoked, and generally misbehaved, but his heart was in the right place. He was called Hopalong because he limped from a gunshot wound. Cassidy had been created in 1905 by a writer named Clarence Mulford, and he was the hero of dozens of stories that appeared in pulp magazines of the day. The plan for the movie was to cast actor James Gleason, who specialized in comic roles, as Hopalong, and William Boyd as another character, a cowpoke named Johnny Nelson. But Boyd talked the producer into letting him play Hopalong, he rightly sensed that the character had the potential to become a franchise. The producer of the movie was a guy named Harry Sherman, a.k.a. Pop. And in later years, whenever he told the story of casting William Boyd as Hopalong, Pop Sherman painted a picture of an actor drowning in alcohol and self-pity, whose life and career were rescued by getting the part. Sherman claimed that when he first met Boyd, The actor was on a days-long drunk because of the mix-up between him and William Stage Boyd. Well, considering that that mix-up happened in 1931 and Boyd was cast as Hopalong in 1935, that is one long bender. At any rate, Boyd was cast as Hopalong even though he didn't even know how to sit on a horse. But he learned, and Hopalong Cassidy was followed by Hopalong Cassidy Returns, And then, here's Hopalong Cassidy again, and then, oh my god, not another Hopalong Cassidy movie, and, alright, I'm just kidding about those titles, but you get the idea, a series of movies. And, little by little, Boyd shaped the character of Hopalong into something more to his liking. The limp disappeared, and Hopalong got a much sharper wardrobe of all black, which made a nice contrast to his all-white horse, Topper. Unlike the original Conception, this new Hopalong didn't drink or carouse. He was a straight arrow who never threw the first punch in a fight. And Boyd's distinctive laugh became one of his trademarks. And unlike many other screen cowboys, Hopalong didn't sing. Boyd hated the idea of a singing cowboy. Between 1935 and 1948, Boyd made 66 Hopalong Cassidy movies. In most of them, his sidekicks were Windy, played by Gabby Hayes, and or Lucky, played by Russell Hayden, and or California, played by Andy Clyde. The Hopalong Cassidy films were made on low budgets and tight schedules. They were modestly, if steadily, profitable, and their biggest audiences were in small towns. They had titles like Trail Dust, Rustler's Valley, and Partners of the Plains. Here's a typical scene from, well, to be honest, the title doesn't really matter.
3: Well, Faith, it looks like you got enough men to run your ranch now. With Jimmy Axler's foreman, everything should run smoothly.
2: Mr. Cassidy, without your help, I don't know what I would have done.
3: We're glad we could help. Well, we better be getting along now. we got a lot of work to do at the bar 20.
2: I hope you'll be coming back this way sometime.
3: <laughs> you can count on it. California and I are going to check on your foreman. Goodbye, Bye, Bye.
0: Bye, in the early 1940s, William Boyd suggested to Pop Sherman that Hopalong might have a future in the new medium of television. The producer gave him a dirty look and told him to stick to his acting. One of the reasons might have been that Sherman didn't own the TV rights to the character. They were still held by the original author, Clarence Mulford. Or it might have been that Sherman was easing his way out of the business. He ended up selling the Hopalong movie rights to Boyd. So Boyd started producing the Hopalong Cassidy movies himself with a significant difference. The newer films contained lots of close-ups and very few long shots and stronger lighting. In other words, Boyd was making movies that were perfectly suited to be seen on a small TV screen. And in 1948 he made his big bet and bought TV rights to Hopalong Cassidy. Boyd then approached a Los Angeles TV station with a Hopalong Cassidy movie. The station couldn't line up a sponsor, but they ran the movie anyway. It didn't take long for a sponsor to sign up for more movies, and pretty soon stations all over the country that were starved for programming began showing the Hopalong Cassidy oeuvre. By mid 1949, dozens of TV stations were carrying those movies, and William Boyd suddenly rivaled Milton Berle as TV's most popular star. In May, he appeared as a guest on the George Burns and Gracie Allen radio show.
3: Well, just about every radio performer in the country is wondering how television will affect his career. Of course, the good-looking ones have nothing to fear. So the star of our program isn't worried, but her husband is... (laughs) Plenty
4: Oh, <laughs> uh, now, George, stop worrying You'll be great on television
3: Well, what do they want with me? Three hundreds of new faces on television Young, handsome faces
4: Well, sure, there'll be a dime a dozen but there'll only be one face like yours. Is, uh,
3: is that good? Well, of course it's oh, good. Oh, thanks. I was nervous for a minute.
4: Faces are like books, George. The new ones sell for a couple of dollars. But what do people go crazy over and pay thousands for? An old, wrinkled, yellow parchment.
2: <laughs> It's a nice T.L.
4: Oh, darling, I, I didn't mean your face looked like that. I only mean it's precious, like a rare old book. Hmm. It's interesting. When people see it, they'll say, where did he get it?
2: <laughs> H- How long has he had
4: it? What's he going to do with? Okay.
2: Okay, forget it.
3: I think I'll leave television to the 18 and 19-year-olds.
2: Oh, well,
4: no, George, we can't handle it alone.
2: <laughs> someone like you.
4: With a face like an old book. Oh now, Howie, stop that. Now tell me, who is the biggest sensation in television today? How along, Cassidy. So what? So that book wasn't printed yesterday either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the best way to appeal to a cowboy like Cassidy is talk his own language, that western lingo. Yes? Howdy, partner. Do you the coyote folks call Hopalong Cassidy?
3: That's what they call me, ma'am. Won't you come in, ma'am?
4: Well, don't mind if I do, partner. I'm plum tuckered. Been riding all day.
3: What do you ride, a cow pony?
4: Yep, half cow and half pony. <laughs> Every couple of months I had to jump off the milker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: that'll tucker you all right.
4: <laughs> yep. Well, I, I thought I'd never get here from Texas.
3: Did you ride clean from Texas?
4: Nope, come on, dust me around. <laughs> Mompy. My uh, my name's Gracie. Gracie the kid. Born and raised in Texas. Oh,
3: I'm from the Lone Star State myself. Oh,
4: that's nice, but it ain't as nice as
2: Texas.
4: <laughs> well, you ought to see my ranch down
3: there. Well, uh, maybe I'm familiar with it. What brand do you put on your calves?
4: Well, I ain't particular, as long as the nylon. <laughs> Are nice and sheer. Yes. But uh, enough about me. I um, I come to talk about you. You know, us folks down in Texas been watching you on television.
3: Well, that's fine. How do you like me?
4: We ain't happy,
2: Hoppy.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Back east, folks have been calling me the cowboy Milton Burrow. <laughs>
4: They don't like you there either, huh? <laughs> well, maybe you ought to retire, Hoppy, and let a real for sure cowboy take over your job.
3: Got anybody in mind?
4: My husband. Saddleface Burns. <laughs> oh, what a man.
3: <laughs> Is your husband a wrangler?
4: Yeah, he'll argue over anything. <laughs> He's a mighty tough humbug. <laughs>
3: I meant, does he break horses? No,
4: sir. Thirty years a cowboy and never dropped a horse.
2: <laughs> Put
4: that in your bronco and smoke it.
3: Can uh, Saddleface handle a shooting iron?
4: Can he handle a shootin' iron? Ha! What's a shootin' iron? <laughs> At about
0: the same time, William Boyd was launching the next phase of making America's kids hypnotized. See what I did there? He was making deals with almost every kind of consumer goods company to market authorized Hopalong Cassidy merchandise. Candy bars, cookies, outfits, wallets, wastebaskets, wallpaper, pajamas, bicycles, wristwatches, pocket knives, even roller skates with spurs on them. Hopalong Cassidy socks were sold with the slogan Hoppy socks make happy feet. And not just boys were buying, Studies showed that almost 40% of the stuff was bought by girls. There were exceptions. Boyd didn't approve of bubblegum. So that was out. In late 1949, Boyd proved his value as a one-man sales force by making a cross-country tour of department stores where hoppy items were sold. In New Orleans he was in a parade that drew 200,000 spectators. In Oklahoma City a personal appearance drew 35,000 people and at a Brooklyn store it was 85,000. Boyd was making a direct appeal to kids across America and their parents because studies indicated that they liked Hopalong Cassidy as much as their kids did. There was a newfound affluence in America, a solid middle class that grew throughout the 1950s along with a new consciousness about status. To buy Hoppy merchandise for your kids was a way of demonstrating that status, and kids bugged their parents for the stuff that they saw advertised on TV. Almost every child in America, wrote Life magazine, wants to dress like Hoppy and swing cap pistols modeled after his shooting irons. Someone asked anthropologist Margaret Mead about America's hop fever, and she said something that sounds totally typical for 1950 and totally icky by today's standards.
1: With fathers away from family life so much in modern times, mothers are afraid the boys will imitate them instead of their fathers and turn into sissies. They encourage their little boys to copy the current play ideal of masculinity, and girls imitate the boys.
0: To his credit, Boyd realized that Hoppy was more than a commercial entity, that he was an idol to kids. I'm sort of an ideal parent, said Boyd, who had no kids of his own. The parents preach what a wonderful guy Hoppy is. What the hell do you do? You have to be a wonderful guy. Boyd made endless personal appearances with kids and special trips to entertain children as far away as Australia.
1: Hopalong Cassidy, the Pied Piper of Hollywood, reaches Sydney, accompanied on the trip by his wife, Tripalong. Otherwise, Mrs. William Boyd. But to 4,000 children at the airport, it's Hoppy, fabulous hero of the Wild West, the man with the famous laugh. Hi, (laughs) kids! How's that, partner? Says the lady with the lariat. But beneath the showmanship, Hoppy discloses a deep affection for kids. He's touring Australia to help crippled children, a cause which his crusades have assisted in many countries. In Melbourne, his reception is fantastic to say the least. Olsters, as well as youngsters, crowd the streets for a glimpse of the man who has the largest juvenile following in the world. Every kid in that crowd is a make-believe hoppy, warm-hearted, gun-toting terror of the Badlands. Mighty crowded here, Bet you're glad you brought a hop-along, hop-along.
0: 1950 was a very good year to be Hop-along Cassidy. Sales of Hoppy items totaled $70 million dollars. There was a Hopalong Cassidy radio show on over 500 stations, movies on over 50 TV stations, and a comic strip in 72 newspapers nationwide. Boyd also started shooting a Hopalong Cassidy TV series, which snapped up a sponsor almost immediately.
1: Wahoo! Hopalong Cassidy time! Yippee! Hopalong Cassidy's back! Yahoo! Come and get it! Come and get it! Yep, it's Hopalong Cassidy's post-cereal time! Brought to you by that honey of a new cereal, post-sugar crisp. Candy-coated puffed wheat the whole family will go for. Now, let's ride the range with Hopalong Cassidy! William Boyd
0: was the first cowboy star to take advantage of television, but it didn't take long for other cowboy stars like Roy Rogers and Gene Autry and the Lone Ranger to get into the act. Then new western shows came along like The Adventures of Kit Carson with Bill Williams and The Adventures of Wild Bill Hickok with Guy Madison. So Hopalong Cassidy's reign was short if very profitable. In 1952 his old director Cecil B. DeMille talked Boyd into making an appearance in his film The Greatest Show on Earth and some claim that DeMille wanted Boyd to play Moses in his film The Ten Commandments, but by then Boyd was ready to retire. William Boyd died in 1972 at age 77, but just a year before Hopalong Cassidy resurfaced in an unlikely place, on the inside sleeve of Don McLean's American Pie album. Don McLean had watched Hopalong Cassidy as a child, and wrote a free verse poem about him. Here it is. No matter how scary life got, I could depend on you. You had that easy smile and white, wavy hair. You were my favorite father figure with two guns blazing. Not even Victor Jory could stand up to those 4440s you packed. And that stallion you rode, I think his name was Topper. He was so beautiful and white, he even came when you whistled. I've always liked black and I loved your clothes. Black hat, black pants and shirt. Silver spurs and two guns and black holsters with pearly white handles. Black and white, that was you, Hoppy. The bad men fell, the good guys lived on. The ladies touched your hand, but never kissed. Whenever John Carradine asked a question, you'd say, that comes under the heading of my business. Then you'd call for another sarsaparilla. I believed in you so much that I'd take my Stetson off and put it over my heart whenever anybody died. My hat's off to you, Hoppy. Say goodbye to all the boys at the Bar 20. The black and white days are over. So long, Hopalong Cassidy. My name's David Inman. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my daughter, Nora, for providing the voice of Margaret Mead. We'll see you later.
1: When out of the blue I could see There were two dozen Indians starting to close in on me There was no place I could run And i never carry a gun So I cried for help And along came Hopalong Cassidy Maverick and Billy the Kid I'd have been lost if they hadn't shown up when they did And there was even Doc Holliday, Buffalo Bill, Jesse James And
2: 300 Cavalry, but I can't remember their names